0: following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Please turn with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. I want to say real quick, if you need a Bible, we buy them by the case. We have tons, and we would like to give you one. We don't want anything from you. Just want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. So let us know. Uh, see someone at the Connection Kiosk after the service. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you or an app right now to follow along as we study God's Word, the Scriptures will be on the screens for you to do that. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're continuing today in our series. It's called The Fruit of The Spirit where we are studying the nine attributes listed in Galatians 5 that should mark the life of those who follow Jesus. Uh, All of these are divine attributes. Okay, So what that means is they describe the character and nature of God. The Bible teaches that those who turn from sin to trust in Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit. Or, said another way, that God's Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. In 1 Corinthians and elsewhere, we are told that we, the church, are the New Testament temple of the Holy Spirit. So this means that the fruit of the Spirit are not merely moral goals that we hope to attain through our own strength and discipline. They are their perfect source, the fruit of the Spirit, their source is God. And as we surrender to the process of being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son we will reflect more and more the beauty of who he is. We cannot hope to rightly exhibit these fruits of the Spirit without the power and help of the Spirit. That's the point I'm driving at there. So we have covered so far love, joy, peace, and patience. So that means that this week we will be examining kindness together. Now, uh, as most of you, I think, are probably aware, the current political and cultural landscape especially what seems to get attention most of the time, makes the need for kindness pretty self-evident. It seems that these days, loud and angry is understood to be strong, whereas quiet and kind is seen as weak. So what I want to do with you is, is dive into God's Word and let our thinking and our living be shaped by timeless truth instead of worldly wisdom. And so let's read God's word together. We're back in Galatians 5, verses 16 through 24. Uh, I know we have launched from here for the entirety of this series. We're going to keep doing that. And uh, hopefully we all have it memorized by the end. Not joking. All right, here we go. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the thing That you please, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Amen. Looks like I read two bonus verses there for you. Praise God for that. All right. Um, So the Greek word here for kindness is krestotes. It means, roughly, tender concern. But the connotation is that it is kindness of heart, but also kindness of action. All of that's contained in the word. It's not just good intentions. It's not just the thought that counts. Uh, Both are wrapped up in this idea. That's important. Now, when we studied love, which is the first fruit listed here in Galatians 5, we noted that Martin Luther observed the fact that love really encompasses all of the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. And the rest that are listed are really specific manifestations and descriptions of what it means that God is love and then calls us to walk in that love. And this is going to be really evident uh, as we unpack kindness uh, and also some of the rest of these spiritual fruit. Uh, Because these fruit of the Spirit, they're, they're so closely linked and they, they tend to flow in and out of one another, kind of like rivers that meet the sea. There's going to be overlap in some of the description and application, but that's not a bad thing. Uh, application overlap is good for us, uh, descriptive overlap is good for us. We can't overthink how the love of God and the power of His Spirit working in us and through us is supposed to cause us to live in a countercultural way, to be light in this world. Uh, that is seemingly uh, getting increasingly dark, and so uh, th- these are good things for us. And so, if you hear something, you're like, "Hey, that kind of sounded like something before." You you caught me, uh, but we're not gonna we're not gonna stretch, and we're not gonna deny the fact that kindness is a part of love, and, and l- kindness is defining part of what it looks like to walk in the love of God. Uh, we're gonna embrace that, celebrate it, and try to obey it. Amen. Amen. Uh If we are not intentional in looking for evidence of God's kindness in the world, uh, we can easily be overcome with fear that kindness has become non-existent. It's very easy to become cynical and think that nobody seeks to walk in the kindness of God, and so you can't either, because if you do, it'll make you vulnerable then to being taken advantage of. The truth is, let me be perfectly honest, Walking in kindness will make you vulnerable, but it is not true that you will be the only one taking that risk. And you definitely won't be the first one taking that risk. We can't get into that attitude that Elijah had, right? When he was ready to die under the juniper tree, and then he goes to the cave and he's saying to God, Everybody else is worshiping Baal. Everybody, I'm the only prophet left. And God says to him, Actually, hold on. No, I want you to go meet Elisha. You're going to train him up. Then I got a bunch of these other people that have not bowed their knee, and I want you to go talk to them as well. And so. Sometimes we can get in this overly cynical mind frame, uh, and and it's easy, right? Because what is covered, what catches attention, what we're hammered with over and over again oftentimes is is bad news, is news of people's angst and anger and disagreement, because for some reason people have decided that sells, right? It's political ad season, and almost all you see, even the guys that are saying, hey, I'm going to be positive, it's like, I'm positive that the other guy's really bad, right? Like, it's just, you can't, it it seems like there's just all this negativity and angst and kindness has just been chucked to the side, and that can make us think, well, you know, when in Rome, just going to have to do that if I want to survive, but God's called us to a higher and better way. Um, And and I want to take a minute just to point out a couple things, and, uh, you know, we could go all day, but the question is, is there kindness in the world? is there is there kindness? Is If we've been convinced that to some degree all, all is bad and, and woe is us, is, is that a real thing? Or is maybe our perception being clouded by what we're choosing to pay attention to? That can be possible. Let me just tell you a couple things here. Uh, evidence that there is kindness in the world. Uh, in 2011, there was a tsunami uh, and it hit a nuclear reactor at Fukushima in Japan. And uh, part of the response of that, there was 200 elderly Japanese people. They called themselves the Skilled Veterans Corps, and basically, what these 200 elderly retired, like engineers uh, and other people like that, that would be qualified to go into this nuclear plant and clean stuff up. Basically, what they said is, "Let's not send in young people to go clean up this radiation. Send us in because we're old and because we know how to do it." and and We're already old, right? So it's just it was this real like kind of logical thing. It wasn't they weren't motivated necessarily when interviewed, nobody said anything about, you know, Jesus sacrificed for me, so I'm gonna sacrifice for these young people. But it was just a logical kind of conclusion for them. They said, you know what, let's let's not do that. Let's we'll go in because even if we were to have some effects from this radiation, it's gonna be prolonged and if I've you know, I probably only have 15 years left anyways. And so you you have this. They're just jumping in front of the danger there, and uh, that smacks very closely of, or really kind of rings very closely to the idea of love and kindness being tied together. Because we know that love uh, is so vibrantly defined by sacrifice and the cross of Christ. But uh, I think I think that's a pretty cool example of kindness that these two hundred old folks. I mean, aside from the fact that we're just. That's that's got to be hard work. I don't know. I've never cleaned up a, a nuclear site that went bad after a tsunami, but I can't imagine it's it's you know, real easy. Uh, and these folks, they were in there, man. They they didn't care. That to me is is solid evidence of kindness. Uh, and and the point, One thing I, I do want to say again is that it was just simple logic for them. It didn't even necessarily have a spiritual motivation. And, and the question then that I would ask us is, how much more motivation should we have, we who have tasted the kindness of our Lord, to walk in such a manner, to be willing to be inconvenienced to show kindness and preference and deference to somebody else? Um, there's another study. It actually came out of a, a recent study that I came across that there was an anonymous person who's 28 years old that walked into a clinic and donated a kidney. And people heard about this. You know, a lot of times when, when organs are donated, there's, there's family or somebody, there's some kind of connection that motivates somebody to do that. This, this 28-year-old person walked into this clinic and said, I want to I wanna donate a kidney to whoever it'll be uh, helpful towards. And people heard about this, and, and it, was, it was recorded. This was in the New England Journal of Medicine, that there was it kind of set off this pay-it-forward type mentality. People started to hear about that, and it reverberated around the country, and from that one person with this extreme act of kindness of going in and saying, I've got two good kidneys, take one and save someone else's life with it, 10 other people then went and did the same thing. 10 people's lives were saved because of this kindness of this one person and other people getting a glimpse of that and then being motivated to do the same. And the point there I'm saying is when, when we ask for God's help to intentionally walk in his kindness, we never know how far the ripple's of that simple obedience may go, right? You just don't know what an intentional choice to smile at somebody tomorrow instead of looking down or not being able to be bothered by it, or you're so zoned in on what you got going on, just taking the time to lock eyes with somebody and smile. You don't know what that means for them. You don't know what they were about to go do or not do, or you don't know who they're going to encounter later on that may be in a situation. You understand simple acts of kindness, simply obeying this call to walk in this fruit of the Spirit. It can have monumental effects. And you may not see them, but they're there. We could go on all day. The the point of these two examples that I'm giving you is to show that even through God's common grace to all mankind, there is more kindness in the world than we often hear about or realize. God is restraining evil uh, to a degree that we we probably can't even possibly imagine. And there is more good in the world than we deserve. There is more kindness happening uh, than we are often aware of. And there's not a whole lot of reporting on that. I'm I'm assuming you haven't heard about the 28-year-old that gave the kidney. I'm assuming you haven't heard about the skilled veterans corps uh, that went into the Fukushima plant. Why, Why is that? I mean, we hear about protests. We hear about people yelling at each other. We hear about people angry with each other all the time. We hear about people shooting stuff and blowing stuff up all the time, that always, that always makes the news. That always gets, it runs the cycle, man, right? Why, don't, why isn't this stuff as prominent? Well, I don't know that we can answer all that, but we know that it's true, and we need to understand there is more hope and more kindness in the world than oftentimes we realize, definitely more than we hear about. Uh, the Lord Jesus, during his ministry, he taught that it is better to give than receive. Uh, and this is undeniably true. Now, oftentimes, science will come behind and, and understand things better or put, really give some, some deeper uh, understanding of, of why certain biblical principles have even more truth to them. And this is one of those times because science has really even discovered some of how God wired us as people and actually designed us for kindness. Uh, The warm feelings that are associated with either being kind to someone uh, or receiving kindness from someone, either way, they are linked to the release of a hormone called oxytocin. Okay, And when this hormone oxytocin is released into your bloodstream, um, it causes... Then the release of a chemical called nitric oxide. When nitric oxide goes through your bloodstream, what it does is it causes your blood vessels and, and your veins to get wider. Okay, and they when they do that, it reduces your blood pressure immediately. Uh, this has been this has been uh, observed in all kinds of different scenarios. You know, you can hand somebody a puppy, you can measure it in people cuddling, but. This release of oxytocin is known to happen when you are intentionally being kind to someone uh, or someone's being kind to you, those warm feelings associated with that. And so when that nitric oxide hits your system, basically your blood pressure drops, and every time that happens, that's a huge load off of your heart. Uh, And hearts given out is one of the number one ways people are dying, and so science shows that our body responds very favor- favorably to us being kind to others and receiving kindness from others. Oxytocin, when in the bloodstream, also reduces inflammation, which is why a lot of your joints are achy in the morning and why mine are achy in the morning. Uh, that has a lot to do with poor diet and other things that we do, but uh, this, this hormone that's released when we are kind or receiving kindness, it has all of these this plethora, and we probably don't even know all yet, uh, Of beneficial effects to our bodies so what does that tell us it tells us we were made for love and trust with God and with people and much of the reason we deal with the effects of our broken world and oftentimes we feel them acutely in our bodies is that sin and selfishness stop us from giving and receiving the kindness that love and trust cultivates we were made for love and trust with God and people but oftentimes because of sin, oftentimes because of uh, a lack of hope, a cynical outlook, oftentimes because we are just beat down uh, with the, the grind of our own life, we aren't, we aren't participating in receiving kindness and giving kindness. We aren't intentional about seeking out those opportunities. And so uh, we're missing a key element of what we were made for. And sometimes we feel that literally in our bodies. Kindness is a fruit of the spirit and it is an important part of how God's people live in a manner worthy of our position as sons and daughters by faith. However, when kindness is disconnected from God's character and it's understood as simply humans choosing to be nice to one another, there's a dangerous mentality that can emerge. And so we don't we want to say kindness is important. We know it's important. It's listed here as a part of the fruit of the Spirit, which means it's a part of God's character and nature. It's something that he uh, has commanded of us. It's something he shares with us. It's, it's, it's very important. However, when you discouple it from all those things and you assume that kindness is just niceness on our terms, it, it can be dangerous. There are many who falsely believe that if everyone would just be nice to one another based on their definition of nice, because that's different depending on who you ask, right? One person's nice could be another person's heck nah, right? Because people are different. So, but a lot of, there are a lot of people that do believe, if everyone would just be nice to one another, that all would then be right in the world. Be the change you want to see, right? Just every, if everyone would just be nice, we could solve all the problems. We need to know this truth, dear friends, and we need to be resolute in this truth. I'm going to say it twice because it's important. Kindness alone can't fix our broken world, but kindness can point to the gospel, the only thing that ever will. Kindness alone can't fix our broken world, but kindness can point to the gospel, the only thing that ever will. That's true. Let me give you some backup for that. Titus 3, starting in verse 3, says this. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. There's a verse for your fridge. To malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Whoo, But Good verses. That's Titus three. If you want to go check that out later, I hope you do. Now hold on a minute. Something real profound here was said, and I don't know if you caught it or not. So we're gonna we're gonna check this out. Verse four says, "But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us." What is that? What is that saying? That's 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 deep. That's a big issue right there. What that means is that Jesus Christ is not just the kindness of God exemplified, it means he is the kindness of God personified. And that's a real big difference that matters a whole lot. Paul calls Jesus, who is that? When the the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Who appeared and saved us? Woo! Come on now. It was Jesus. Jesus here is described as the very kindness of God personified in flesh. The love of God for all mankind came in flesh, man, and came to save us. Hallelujah. Not on the basis of deeds that we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. What does this look like? What does this mean? What do we learn from the fact that Jesus Christ is the kindness of God in the flesh, personified? What does it look like? Let's look at a couple events from Jesus' life. I'm in Mark 6. It says this, When Jesus went ashore, he rode boats a lot, so he's coming ashore. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. One facet of the kindness of God we see displayed in the life and ministry of Jesus is a willingness to speak the truth, is a compassion upon those that don't have the truth. What was Jesus' reaction? He said, they are like sheep without a shepherd. He could see, he didn't get off the boat. It doesn't say Jesus got off the boat and was annoyed with these large crowds that were milling about like sheep without a shepherd. He wasn't frustrated with their ignorance of the truth. He wasn't annoyed at what that meant, the fact that they didn't know the truth. So this means they live in this way and that way that is contrary to the truth of God. Those were none of his responses. What was his response when he got off the boat? He felt compassion for them. He loved them. And so then what did he do? Did he just say, oh, that's a a real bummer. Look at all those people there. Just don't know what they're doing. No. It says he began to teach them many things. Now, you're not Jesus and I'm not Jesus. So let's get that part clear. Everyone good on that? <laughs> Hopefully, that, that we don't have to do a whole lot of extra work on that one. Nobody sitting here today is Jesus. However, we are called to love people like Jesus did, we are called to see people like Jesus did. And we need to understand that a lot of the times, the, the things that we we tend to get real judgy about the things that we tend to get real irritated by. It's 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 people that like sheep without a shepherd, nobody's taught them, nobody spoke truth to them. They're confused, they don't know sometimes any better. And we can't have this reaction where we're we're just we're frustrated or because we're inconvenienced by what we perceive to be their stupidity, that, that, that means we get to ignore them or even come after them verbally or even in our hearts or actually. None of those can be our response. Compassion, a a willingness to teach. And it doesn't, oftentimes that doesn't mean a few short words in one conversation. There needs to be a willingness to wade into people's lives enough that we can not only speak the words of truth, but live the actions of truth that will back that up and show them the validity and the reality of the truth of God's word and why it is we're saying what we're saying. What does it look like that the kindness of God is personified? First, it's we're going to have compassion on people. We're going to care when people are lost. We're going to care about lost people. Well, I don't know if I do. Then, friend, stop and pray and ask God to give you a heart for the lost. (laughs) The Bible says that the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. Not everybody that claims... To follow Christ has a heart that is broken over the lostness of humanity. Many times we are too wrapped up in our own junk to be concerned for one second about the condition of others' hearts and souls. That can't be true. That can't be true of us. There was a man one time that cried out, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm not saying you're not a Christian if you don't have a deep burning care for the lost, a fire in your bones for the lost. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if you're a believer, you should have a deep care in your heart for the lost and a fire in your bones for the lost. If you don't, there's something wrong. That doesn't mean we jump down the condemnation trail and give up and quit and cry. That means we go to Jesus and we ask him to help us, to give us what he had, to pour into us a greater measure, Of the love and compassion that he had on us and he had on these people. Amen. We should be praying for the lost, friends. We should be willing to play our part, whatever that looks like, in teaching them and speaking the truth of God to them. I'm in Matthew 8 now. It says when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him, and a leper came to him and bowed down before him. That was leper, L-E-P-E-R, not leopard. Okay, this isn't a Nat Geo episode. Leprosy is a disease people had; the skin uh, rots, falls off, and uh, it's a death sentence. There's no cure. A leper came to him, bowed down before him, and said, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You see, somebody with leprosy, not only did they have a death sentence on them, uh, but they also had a stigma and a social outcast issue because they, nobody would touch them. Nobody wanted to be around them. And that's understandable that the the disease could be transferred by touch. And so uh, it's, it means so much. This is not a minor detail that Jesus not only stretched. Now we know Jesus didn't have to touch him to heal him. Is that right or wrong? Right? The, the, we got the uh, centurion's daughter. We got examples all over of where Jesus didn't have to even be in the same location and he could heal somebody. He didn't. Sometimes he spoke and people were healed. So touch is not a necessary element of this. So Jesus didn't touch him because that was necessary to heal him. He touched him to touch him, to show him compassion and love and tenderness and kindness. This would have meant everything to this guy, that Jesus was willing to do this. What does this show us? We're still. I'm still making for you, building a case for you that because Titus says the kindness of God came, appeared, and saved us, that Jesus being the kindness of God, that we can look at his life and we can understand what it is we're called to, to walk in this fruit of the Spirit that is kindness. What does this look like? First of all, Jesus was willing to get close enough to touch him. Friends, we have to be willing to do that. And so many of us, we have... We have this reaction that when we see, and for us it's, it's not leprosy most of the time. There are still leper colonies throughout the world, but not, not here necessarily so much. But there is hurting. There is pain. There are people that are socially ostracized. There, is, there are people that have given up on themselves. There is great pain. There are, there are a magnitude of opportunities for us to, to wade in close enough to somebody that's hurting to touch them, and that's part of what it looks like to walk in the kindness of God, to not shrink back from that, to not run from the pain of others because we're afraid of awkwardness or because we feel unqualified to address it. Let's just say this right now. Every one of us is unqualified to deal with the pain, our own pain, or the pain of anybody else, no matter how severe or not severe. Is that right or wrong? We don't really have anything to bring to it ourselves. What we do have to bring is, is a willingness to come to be close enough to touch them, to love them, and to ask Jesus to help us help them, to let the Spirit of God in us minister through us to them. To count on Jesus to give us the right words, because here's here's the problem. If you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're really right. I think I probably have some things to bring to the situation. I'm, you know, I got some good things to say. I'm pretty smart. Read some books, some other things, a few blogs. Right? If if you think if you think you've got the equipment to go in and deal with the incredible complexity of human pain and and the answers you have whatever they are in a can you're just going to come and pop those open and throw them on people and that's going to fix it you're you you've totally missed the point man because you you're you're thinking that you're getting wrapped up in that lie that so many people believe that much of the time the pain you see is just the symptoms, symptoms of deep brokenness, of roots that go down real far. And the only person that can get down into the heart level and till up the soil and pull up stuff like that is Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit working in people's hearts. And so you try to go into that thing with whatever little bit of wisdom you think you've accrued and bring an answer to that, you're going to have a real bad experience and then you probably won't do it anymore. So don't do that. Let's let's not think that we are smart enough, good enough, or whatever, to go in and be able to address anything somebody else is struggling with. But we can humbly say, I see your pain, and so just because I see it, I'm going to move towards it, and I'm going to be willing to touch you and help you and love you, and I'm going to ask Jesus to help me to do that. That's what this looks like. That's the kindness of God. That's a disposition that we should have. I don't know what to say. I know. Sometimes you don't need to say anything, A, but B, the Lord Jesus will give you the words. He'll help you. If you're willing to meet people in their pain and to move towards them in their suffering, Jesus will meet you there and help you minister to them. Every time. He won't leave you hanging. Here's another thing we see from Jesus' interaction with this leper. Um, He didn't touch him, heal him, and then pull out his phone and drop down next to him and take a selfie to post the miracle. Wait, let me make sure I read it again just to make, I didn't miss that. No, nope, it's not in here. As a matter of fact, uh, he says, make sure you don't tell anybody. So here's, we, we got to check our motives, friends. The kindness of God is not motivated by self-fame, Uh, the the kindness of God is not even motivated by, well, you said if I am kind to other people, I'll get this oxytocin thing, and that'll make my heart not give up. So, you know, what's wrong with that? But here's the thing. I told you that to convince you that we were made for kindness, not to give you a terrible motivation, like I'm going to go be nice to people to try to get an oxytocin rush. That way I don't have a heart attack, okay? The kindness, that will happen when you're kind to people. Your body will physically respond to that because you were made for that, when you receive kindness from someone else, you are going to have that response, uh, and that's that's beautiful. Strong evidence that that's what we were made for. However, that shouldn't be the motivation, and definitely the motivation should not be I'm going to do this kind thing uh, and hope that somebody sees it, or or so I can, or I'm going to do it and make sure somebody sees it, or that lots of people see it. Right? That's that's not what this is about. That's not kindness. That's just selfishness in a different form. That's just as selfish as just walking by acting like you didn't see the suffering. It's making it about you. uh, And it misses love and kindness altogether. Uh, The third thing Jesus didn't do here is he didn't say the leper was stupid for getting leprosy. He He didn't say, well, he should have been more careful. He wouldn't have gotten it. Jesus didn't start automatically justifying walking by this guy by coming up with all kinds of Uh, Reasons why, well, if he just wasn't an idiot, well, he wouldn't have got leprosy. Well, he probably touched a leper. He probably hung out a leper colony. He probably, whatever he did. Well, if he just wasn't, if he just was a little smarter, it's not that hard. Just don't touch lepers, right? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't try to get himself out of walking in the kindness of God. By making judgments from 50 feet away about whether this guy deserved to be in the plight he was in or could have avoided it. Didn't care, didn't ask that question. Here's what he knew that guy's suffering. I'm moving in. I'm gonna bring the kindness of God to bear on that. Jesus didn't judge the leper harshly, but if we're honest, we do that sometimes. We sometimes judge harshly from a distance. To come up with an excuse or justification for not getting ourselves in the dirtiness and in the inconvenience of walking in kindness towards those that are suffering. Romans 2 speaks to this. Let me read this to you. It says, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O oh man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Do we, friends? Do we think so lightly? of God's kindness and patience and tolerance towards us that we feel justified in withholding kindness from others? That's the question asked. Ask yourself. Make yourself answer. You tell me to talk to myself? Yes. Do you take so lightly the kindness and patience and tolerance that Jesus has had towards you that you feel justified in withholding kindness from others? And friends, this doesn't just go in, you know, I don't think Jesus had a relational connection with the leper. This doesn't just go for strangers you may bump into. This just doesn't mean the random homeless person you might see that's struggling or the random person that is, is ran out of gas or whatever the, that situation is. It doesn't just apply to them, to strangers that are in need. This applies to spouses who are deeply wounded by one another's sinful imperfections. You don't get to just walk away from that pain and you don't get to judge them harshly. The same scriptures in Romans 2 apply. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? Do you think lightly of those? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. It applies to neighbors that you may not like because they cut their grass too early on Saturday or whatever the deal is, right? Whatever your problem is with them. You don't like their dog or whatever. Ooh, preaching to myself. I've had one of those. It was a cocker spaniel, man. That thing would be out in the yard barking. Oh, Man. But I just didn't like the dog, not the neighbor, so I'm good. No, this, this is cutting me too. I'm, not, I'm in here with you. This goes for neighbors. This, this applies to the person in your church family who rubs you the wrong way or has offended you repeatedly. Let me read it again. What am I saying? Do you think lightly of the riches? Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you? To repentance. That's Romans 2 verses 2 through 4. I'm sure most of you are chomping at the bit to study that for yourselves when we get done here. Since I've read it 15 times, that's not enough. This goes for the stranger who is suffering. Or the stranger who whips into that parking spot when you already clearly had your signal on. And you were going in there. We cannot judge from a distance we cannot withhold kindness from one another doesn't matter how close or far we are from them relationally it doesn't matter we are called to kindness why in light of God's kindness towards us you can only withhold intentional kindness from others if you take lightly the riches of his tolerance and patience and kindness towards you do you understand that it's really important it matters a lot and it will affect the way you think. It will affect how much you let yourself get away with. Not even in what you do or don't do, but in how you think. Because that's where this starts and ends. It matters. The kindness of God, it says here, leads you to repentance. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God. We are not serving a God who threatens us with death and hell to scare us into serving him. We serve a God who came and died in our place to conquer death and hell so we would never have to fear either one. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. Friends, when we are intentionally kind to people, people we know, people we don't know, people we don't want to know, We are reflecting this beautiful attribute of God that draws men to repentance and to faith in him. God in Christ went first. He has been perfectly kind and he calls us to reflect his kindness to the world. Starting with those close to us and going out from there. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you specifically along these lines this week. We can argue about it later, but I think I've given you a strong enough case that there should be a a conviction and an acknowledgement for us as children of God that kindness is a part of our call. It's a part of how we walk in a manner worthy of the name of Christ. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. I want to challenge you specifically to walk this out this week. I don't want you to just leave here this week and say, yep, yep. Kindness is a part of what Christians are called to. Mental ascent. Let's let's make it real. I want to challenge you this week to be intentionally, keyword, intentionally kind to someone you are very close to. Think of some way to intentionally be kind to someone you are very close to. I want to challenge every single one of you that is married, intentionally be kind to your spouse in some way. Think of some way to extend kindness towards them, to your children if you have them, if you're not, in, if you don't have either of those relationships, someone very close to you intentionally express and pour out kindness towards them. I want to challenge you to be kind to someone that you have never met this week. Look for an opportunity to be kind to someone that you've never met before. I'll have to leave the house to do that. I know. Bummer. I guess you could do that on the interwebs, and it would count if you want to take the easy way out. You get on Facebook, say nice something nice, to somebody you've never met. That might be more awkward than doing it in person. I don't know. Who is this guy? All right. I want you to be kind to someone you're very close to on purpose because you are convinced from God's word that kindness is a part of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Kind to someone you're close to, kind to someone you have never met. And I want you to, the third one is to be kind to someone you have a bad attitude towards or that you've been offended by. Woo! That's a good one, isn't it? I didn't get an amen on any of the other ones either, so I figured, go, let's go all the way. I want to challenge you, man, because the Bible calls you to it. Why does the Bible call me to love my enemies? Do you take so lightly the patience and tolerance and kindness that Christ has had towards you? Because you were his enemy, dead in your sin, enslaved, is what Titus said, to that despicable nature. And yet Christ loved you and went first and was kind to you, inexpressibly kind to you. That's why we have to go find somebody this week that ticks us off or has ticked us off, that we're offended by. I'm challenging you to be kind to them on purpose. Now, these can be kind words. These can be kind gestures. Honestly, it can even be something as simple as an intentional smile. I don't know if you're in public. I think most of us, we are so focused on what's going on and like accomplishing the next mission because most of our lives are crammed full of so much from a schedule perspective that we don't, we don't have time for intentionality. And, and if you find that out this week, I'm challenging you to change that. Do something. Hit a pressure relief valve. Drop something. Deschedule yourself from something. We should be able to walk through this life thinking about intentionally doing things so that we may reflect the beauty of Christ to people. So if, if you find, well, man, here it is Friday and I haven't, haven't had time to do something kind for anybody, there's, there's probably another structural, functional issue wrong that needs to be addressed there. But even when you're in public, man, I promise you, just... Making eye contact with people, I know some of you are like, nope, already done. <laughs> just making eye contact with people and smiling on purpose, I promise you. And I realize, I, some of you are like, yeah, that's great, dude. I know, like, some of you know, like, I, whatever bone in your body makes you feel awkward, I don't have it. I just don't feel awkward. Max is the same way. It's genetic. Dude does not meet a stranger, right? Natalie told me that this week, his newest thing, he'll go to the grocery store. The guy bagging at the end of the thing, first of all... Uh, what's your name? He's got no problem. What's your name? All right, now he's got his name. What's your birthday? That's his next question. Gets their birthday. Mine's July 22nd. You know, and he just, he doesn't care. Lucy, me and Lucy and him will be on a walk and if there is somebody outside, he's, dude's waving across the street. I mean, they could be waving. He's, he wants to get their attention. Lucy's like, Dad, why is he doing that? I said, I don't, leave him alone, man. So I know, I know some of you, some of you are Lucy in that situation. <laughs> some of you Woo! Human interaction is tough, but I'm just telling you, listen, when that guy donated that kidney, he didn't know 10 more people's lives were going to be saved because somebody was just going to hear about it. You could smile at somebody tomorrow on purpose, and you could restore a little shred of hope in them that that there's kindness in this world. And that that could go and reverberate and ripple out in a way that you, you never know. But don't stop there. Don't just get good at smiling. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves. Let's ask Jesus to help us be creative and intentional and to pour kindness forth in every way we can with those close to us, with people we've never met and with someone that ticks you off. Here's the truth, dear friend. Kindness slays selfishness. Kindness puts selfishness to death because you can't be intentionally kind to others while you're focused on yourself. I'm going to say that one more time because I jumbled my words a little bit and it's important. Kindness slays selfishness because you can't be intentionally kind to others while you're focused on yourself. When all you're thinking about is what you're disappointed about, what you wish was different about this, that, or the other thing, you don't have any brain space then to be thinking about how to pour forth kindness to someone else. But if you will intentionally seek the help of God, that by the grace of God, you will walk in the kindness of God. Selfishness will be put to death. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to put sin to death. That's what it looks like to be conformed into the image of Christ. It's a process. We're not going to do it perfectly. There'll be much repentance, but thank God it's His kindness that draws us to that. May we be a people who reflect the perfect, beautiful, gospel powered kindness that we were created for. And may we enjoy the blessing of walking in the way we were created for God's glory and our good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for these fruit of the Spirit. Thank you that you do give us details, that we see how your love plays out, that you've been specific with us. We need specifics, Lord. We need you to give us as much information as we can handle because we tend to miss things. I thank you, Lord, that you have been kind to us. Father, I want to repent collectively right now as a people. We admit that we oftentimes do take lightly the riches of your tolerance and patience and kindness towards us. We do not think about that enough. And we get discontented. We get disgruntled. And we forget how good you've been to us. And then we're not good to others. Help us, God, every day to be soaked, to be soaked constantly in the truth of the gospel, remembering how good and kind you have been to us. And God, may that first of all cause us to love you and to be forever in gratitude towards you. But God, then may it also help us, equip us, give us the power to go out and reflect the patience and kindness that you've given to us, to others. Lord God, I ask you to Remind these dear saints of this challenge they've been given. I ask you to empower them, God, and to open up doors of opportunity for them to walk in kindness towards all different kinds of people. Lord, help us. Please help us not be the kind of people that judge from a distance and justify our laziness and justify us not going in close enough to to touch somebody, to extend kindness to them, to wade into their pain, to care, to have compassion upon them. Lord, we need your help. We need your help. Our natural bend is selfishness. Our natural bend is to stare inward, to be focused solely upon how we feel or what we want. We need your help to care about others, to care deeply about the mission that you've given us, the call that you've placed upon us. I thank you, God, for the truth that it is better to give than receive. But even as we are giving kindness, Lord, that you've built us for that. That we will be able to feel the rightness of it. All the way down to the the physiological level of the way you created us. That physically we respond to kindness, to giving it and receiving it. Lord, help us. Please help us in this. God, please don't let this be something that is just... On our minds and hearts even this week, let us walk this out in such a way that it really affects the world. Help us to be the light that you've called us to be. We love you, Lord. We can't do it without you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.